Welcome to the Newfoundland Beer Podcast. Today I'm talking with Matt Power, founder of Tapped In Drought Solutions. Matt maintains many of the kegerators and tap lines at bars and restaurants across the Avalon. Uh, he's also installed kegerators at craft breweries across Newfoundland. Today we're talking about kegerator maintenance and pouring the perfect pint. Welcome to the show, Matt. Well, thank you very much for having me. So I figured there would be a lot of people, well, I know that a lot of people have picked up kegs who have ke kegerators at home now stock it up. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, I was thinking the other day, I mean, at the moment, what a time for you as, as a residential user to limit your amount of traffic outside the house, but at the same time have the most quantity of beer that you could have. I mean, get a 90 liters of keg, you're, you're good. I mean, a, a solid drinker should be good for uh, two months, really. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if they're getting much more activity, but uh, I, I'd certainly be looking at it. Yeah, so maybe we should start with like the most basic question, which is what is a kegerator? What is a kegerator? A kegerator, so in the world of draft, there's there's two types of systems that pour draft. Uh, the more complicated of systems are long draw systems. So that's what you see at your uh, big chain restaurants, uh, most some breweries but not a lot a lot of the breweries are smaller systems um, normally normally chain run places where uh, they're cookie cutter design uh, for whatever reason they can put their coolers right up by the bar area so they go with a long draft system which is essentially you got your cooler where your kegs are you got trunk line which is your conveyor of beer up to your bar, then you got your taps on your bar, and then you got a cooling system for the trunk line, and so on. The second type of system, which is a kegerator system, they're called short draw systems. And that is essentially the same, this, the, it, it has all the same components of a long draw system, uh, just in shorter, simpler forms. Uh, with a, Really, the only thing that's different from one to the other is a kegerator doesn't have uh, a fob, which, which is something for long draw systems, but... Uh, yeah, so is they're 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 your cooler, your draft pouring portion of it, which your 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 beer tower and your beer lines, which is the same as your trunk line, and they have your couplers, uh, but it's just all in one little package. And then in the, in the kegerators themselves, they come in like any type of a product. Uh, you got your simple forms to your more complicated forms. Uh, your simplest, like are the the Danby, you know, back bar fridge, like the ones that you'd be storing your beer in, like the you get the Costco jobbies and all that stuff. Uh, you can get those that are residential uh, kegerators, they call them, which is essentially a a, 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 a little bar fridge um, with the 
guts of it tore out inside so that you can fit a keg in there, uh, a hole drilled in the top of it, and a tower mounted on it with, for your lines to come down through. Uh, they don't even go as far as to put a hole out through the side of it for your uh, gas line. You put your gas cylinder and everything in there in one. Uh, up to more of the commercial type units, uh, just higher quality overall, stainless steel finishes inside, uh, they have a way of cooling your tower, uh, air ducting, it's like a, a ribbed uh, inch diameter hose that goes from the, 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 the cooling unit of the cooler up and it just forces air up to your tower. So it makes sure that your beer is literally cold from the keg right up to the faucet uh, while it's not being poured. Um, yeah, I say, and you got you got to stop me sometimes or redirect me because I I will go <laughs> off in tangents. So did I answer the question of what the yeah, camera was? Did. Okay, yes. I was just thinking of you know places I've been for uh, listeners who have gone to craft breweries in Newfoundland. Um, I think Port Rexton Brewery is one example of a long draw system. They have a yes. fridge on like over in their brew floor, which is like actually the first floor of that building and they yes. have all their kegs in there and the lines are really long so when you're sitting at the bar at Port Rex and Brewery all you see is those taps in the wall but yes. those taps are drawing beer from the first floor from downstairs so that yes so that's that is a long draw system shout out to Sonia and Alicia great Newfoundland Brewing Company Port Rexon. and then a short draw system is more like what you would see at I guess a, a lot of bars. Also, if people have been to Kitty Vitty Brewery. Um, That's right. Yeah. Kitty Vitty Brewery. Uh, what are, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, where else? Uh, like the Green Door downtown is a kegerator system. Uh, one of the bigger ones. Uh, Jack Axes, which is one of the biggest promoters of beer, you know, in the St. John's area of the different breweries. Uh, they're all kegerators. So it, 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 kegerators... They kind of get the, the rep sometime of being the easy way out or like, you know, the, like a simple system. Uh, but I, they, they really do the job perfectly. They're the easiest to maintain. Uh, they're the least amount of trouble. They're the most cost efficient. And you can put whatever, depending on the size of your kegerator, even the small ones, you can put the fanciest of towers, really, that you want on it uh, to to do the job of of exactly what those big complicated systems would. Yeah. So in this in this episode, I wanted to focus on uh, people who might have kegerators at home and how to yes. take care of them. So one of my questions is, uh, I've seen, I've watched YouTube videos about how to like basically jerry rig your own kegerator out of like a mini fridge or something um yeah yeah i don't know so when you like do you assemble all the parts of a kegerator or do you usually order like a something that's like complete and like you just have uh, most it all depends like most of the uh most of the single door units uh, the suppliers that I go through, the, they go through so many of them, so they have kits built. Uh, you know, that you get your standard single door that can hold two 30-liter kegs. Uh, they have what they're called um, kegerator gas supply kits, which give you your uh, gas line, couplers, uh, regulator, 
uh, and an air distributor, and then you get your tower. Your sing your is like the simple. They're called American towers, three inch tower, uh, with a single or a double tap on it. And it just comes as a kit, and then you put it together when it comes here and put it out into wherever it's going. Or I I I, I don't. I I mean I I certainly can, uh, but I don't normally do a lot of the conversions, uh, yeah. only because it's not a commercial thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, they they're not as robust as the commercial units and uh, can come with their own set of problems sometimes, uh, which is fine for a residential setup. Uh, one, the biggest one being um, air cooling to the tower. It, when you don't have that air cooling in a, in a converted unit, uh, you you're just going to get that section. Of of bare line from the bottom or the top of your your cooler to the top of your uh, tower outside is just going to get warm when it's not being used. So every time you pour, you're going to get that little bit of foam, and foam creates more foam. And then you know, in a, in a commercial setup, then, then that results in money being lost. So that's generally why you don't see them around. Uh, as much, and I find too with with uh, with the residential type units um, where they do a lot of icing in the back and and the cooling unit, um, they, it's for some reason you know kegerator doors are open maybe more often than than. Uh, and that's not really right in saying. I I tell you where I see it a lot is. Um, because I do a couple of residential units, and if if there's some way that the bear that the door can be uh, cracked open, uh, generally these units, the residential ones, don't fit 30 liters as good as what a full size unit would or a commercial unit. And if the door's cracked, like what doesn't uh, the owner doesn't know it's cracked, or for some reason there can be a warm amount of air get in there at any given time it creates icing is the simple thing of what i'm trying to say and uh the couple of places that do have uh those type of units in the city and like in restaurants that i serve it's it's a constant battle of every time i go in to do a cleaning i gotta ask the owners when they get a chance to de-ice the back of the unit because it's all icing up and I mean, not a big deal because it's ice, but what it eventually does is throw the temperature control completely off in the, um, in the, in the, inside the kegerator itself. And then of course, warm temperatures, warm beer. And then, you know, it's just a snowball effect from there. Yeah. So. It's like, a, like a mini fridge that gets the, that coat of ice in the back. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. That's so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. That's, yeah. that's exactly it. And that's, that's not good. It's, it's all right with bottled and canned products and that, because I mean, yeah, whether it's 30 degrees, well, 30 is a little too cold, but whether it's just above freezing to 10 degrees, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, your liquid in your cans and your beer bottles and everything is still cool. But kegs, like beer is temperamental. And if, if you don't hold it around that 38 to 40, you know, and I'm stressing 40 is even getting a little up there, that you're going to have issues. So it's the the... The actual dedicated kegerator units are just, they, they're able to control their temperature fluctuations a lot better than the converted units. And I'm by no means bashing converted units. Uh, it's, it's, it's just how it is. It's, it's yeah. like anything. You know? Well, one's designed to do exactly 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you just got a new kegerator. How do you do basic kegerator maintenance so that your beer is going to stay the same temperature? Your lines are clean. So what I, I've, I, cause I, I knew we were going to be talking about it. So I, I figured the best thing for me to do is walk through what, what we do in a basic line clean, because if, if what we do in the commercial world is just as, uh, it, 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 it's, it's just as relevant to in your basement bar as well. So, uh, yeah, so line cleaning, uh, set out by the Brewers Association. Everything that we do within the company is all around the Brewers Association. And more specifically, they have a draft quality manual, uh, which uh, a whole load of uh, leading leading beer people and experts and, and all that throughout North America get together and they come up with uh, a bunch of best practices and recommendations and they 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 do very good with it and uh, it's they they have a full section of draft and uh, what what you should be doing around draft uh, in north america so that's what we follow uh, so under the brewers association they state that you should clean your lines of a draft system every two weeks now um I will say that you will be hard pressed to find anywhere in the province of Newfoundland and also the majority of Canada uh, that clean their lines every two weeks. Uh, I'm sure there are people are that do, and and it 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 is is it's what you're supposed to do. Uh, most commonly is a month, um, and. When I first started off, um, you know, and full of all this book smart material and just after being trained by Micromatic in the States and had all the answers to everything in the draft world, uh, I was one that I was going to be the one who was going to promote two weeks uh, for all my cleaning. Um, that was fine when you start off, start, uh, when you start with a bunch of little accounts, but when uh, you get into any number of them, then you realize that you're going to have to hire a full army to go around to do uh, cleanings every two weeks. So that was one reason. But the other one was um, I find uh, if you do uh, a quality job in your, in your cleaning on a monthly basis, uh, the next time you go in, uh, it's not that bad. It's not like on a monthly basis when you take apart your faucets and your and you scrub your couplers and all that. Uh, if you did a good job the last time and that system is maintained uh, throughout that 30 days prior to, uh, you're good on a 30, 30 day rotation. And I also follow your Instagram and it's like, we like, I can't look away. It's weirdly like, um, <laughs> I don't know. I know. Like, uh, yeah, I know. And sometimes I struggle with it because I'm like, you know, Matt, you're promoting, you know, good quality beer. And like, do people really need to see what you see? But uh, it's out there and, and no, people need- should be aware of this. You know, like, I, you know, when people watch like pimple popping videos, mm, it's gross, mm-hmm. but you're just like, why? Yeah, and then yeah. the before and after pictures of the clean lines, that's how I feel about it. I'm like, I don't want to know, but I need to see the before yeah, and after. I know. Yeah, I know. So you get, and it, it goes right to some, like, you would expect your bartenders and that to, uh, 
to to know, uh, you know, uh, between good and bad systems. And when you go in and you get some, some people say, you know, yeah, we're after seeing them. We, we kind of laugh at them. They're like, we call them like bear worms. Like, that's not good. That's not good. Like, when you have that stuff in your system, that's really bad. <laughs> okay, so how do you clean your lines? Okay, so line cleaning is, there's actually more to it than line cleaning. Uh, so on a regular monthly basis, we do uh, a caustic cleaning. So a basic or uh, alkaline uh, uh, cleaning chemical uh, is run through the lines. Um, what was I going to say about that? Yeah, so mostly it's uh, potassium hydroxide. Uh, sometimes sodium hydroxide, either or, they're, they're kind of uh, switched between, depending on what chemical manufacturer you use. Um, so they are, uh, see, see, now I'm going off on a tangent again. There, there's two types of cleaning that we do. We do a static cleaning and we do a mechanical cleaning. So a static cleaning is where you take what's called a cleaning can, which essentially looks like a corny cake, and uh, it has a bunch of cleaning heads on it. So you hook your coppers to it. You push cleaner through the line. Actually, you push water first. Then you push cleaner through the line. Once you know you have cleaner coming out through your faucets, you shut off your faucets. You will let it soak for 20 minutes. And then you flush water through the line. And then you put beer back in your lines. So that's called static cleaning. Circulation cleaning is where you have a pump uh, that you take, uh, you connect into a an in uh, shank on your tower. Uh, you go down then from that coupler or to that coupler in the cooler room or in the kegerator, depending, and you connect it to your number two coupler, and that goes up to your new number two shank, and then you jump from your number two shank to your number three shank with a jumper, called a cleaning jumper, and then you go back down and you connect it's an endless process until you get to the end, right? Like four lines, it's connected through and it circulates for, for 20 minutes, mm -hmm. 15 minutes, actually. Circulation cleaning is recommended to be 15 minutes. Uh, at the end of that, then you push water through the line again. You take apart all of your jumpers and connectors and all that stuff. You put the system back together and you push bear back up through and everything is good to go. Static cleaning is recommended for systems up to 20 feet. So every kegerator can be static cleaned. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, which do you recommend for like a, like a residential system? Yeah, so any, 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 any kegerators, like anything, any, and there's actually sm small long draw systems, like up to 20 feet can be, uh, which are a lot of systems actually, uh, can be uh, static cleaned as well. And then anything beyond... Uh, uh, 20 feet uh, up to like some of the big big systems uh, that are like hundreds of feet uh, per line then you got to be using uh, circulation cleaning so kegerators are static cleaning uh, so I'll, I'll run through because I have it here in front of me I will run through what we do so first thing you do is you flush your lines of beer so Generally, uh, you can do this one or two ways. Uh, if you have one cleaning can or a cleaning bottle uh, with a head, on, a coupler head on it, uh, you uh, fill it with water. Uh, you connect your coupler 
and then you put you open your faucet and charge the cleaning can with strictly water in it uh, and push it through to that all your beer comes out and you uh, have water coming through. Uh, then you either do one or two things. In our case, we have we have dedicated cleaning cans. So one can has water in it, one has a cleaner in it. Uh, then you hook your cleaning can with cleaner in it uh, and you uh, hook that to the coupler and then you draw cleaning solution up through your lines through your faucet. Uh, at this point, we use litmus paper uh, because most cleaning solution is clear. Uh, so we use litmus paper to make sure that we have cleaner coming out through the line, uh, to which then we shut off our faucet and we um, let it soak for 20 minutes. So once you let it soak, you can, uh, hook your water back up and then you push water back up through the lines and you then uh, use your litmus paper again uh, to make sure that your uh, cleaner is out of the line because the worst thing you could ever do of course would be leave cleaner in the line but after that is you're going to flush it with water again well you well you just did so yeah yeah so you make sure that you you have your water water flowing through there should be nothing on your litmus paper it should come out as neutral ph uh, and then you know for sure that you have all your cleaner at the line um after after that then you do a you got to clean more than just your line so on a on a monthly basis uh we do faucet cleanings as well so your faucets on your towers you take them apart uh complete disassembly um in a in a jug of water you put all your parts in there and you let that soak uh there's really no set i'm after looking for set timelines on what you should soak your parts they the most you ever get out of a manufacturer is several minutes so uh i usually like to use a little bit of warm water i find that the cleaning solution works better in warm water uh, not doesn't have to be boiling by any means or, or hot, just warm. Uh, you let your faucets and parts soak. Uh, and at that point, you set up a little cleaning area uh, with some scrub brushes and uh, wire brushes, or not wire brushes, sorry, uh, uh, cleaning brushes. Uh, there's various different sizes out there for all of uh, your cleaning needs. Uh, and you clean up all the parts of the faucets, rinse it, rinse them, and then as you're putting it together, uh, back together again, I you, you, I you have a look at all the parts as they're going in because there's a bunch of different seals um, uh, throughout the faucets and over time they do wear or they could get damaged too uh, for taking on and off uh, to see if any of those need to be replaced. Um, with the faucet itself, um, there's two vent holes that you have to be very mindful of. Uh, one is, it's too bad this is not a video, so we could just, we, you know, we could just do a little show and tell. On, a, on your standard American faucet, there's a vent hole uh, in underneath, uh, like just above, say, your, where your spout or your faucet is. You always want to keep that one clear. That one's the one that takes air in as you open your faucet and allows, allows air to come in as your beer is going through, and it gives you a 
a clean pour so that there's no siphoning or anything going on. And there's there's another vent hole then that you can only see when you have the faucet apart. And you're when you're looking down through where your lever would go down through the top of your faucet, you'll see it go from there to inside down into your spout. And uh, I use paper clips. Uh, the biggest paper clip you can find that's staple cells. Uh, that's what I use to clean those two uh, vent holes out. Uh, very, very particular to do that every now and then because um, if it does gunk up, it generally doesn't clean out on its own. Uh, you can do okay. as many monthly cleanings as you want to do. Uh, and uh, if you don't look for it, it, it generally doesn't wipe itself out on its own. Uh, and it's I've I have had firsthand accounts of account of places that I've taken over. And the reason why they call is because their bears phone me. And when I get the rundown on the system, and it's like, when did you have someone in clean it last? Oh, I mean, it's, it's months. It's definitely months. And when you take those faucets off, those two vent holes are plug solid. And uh, when you clean everything else clean up, you put it all back together, the bear is flowing perfect again. Yeah. So use so, paper clips, the very official uh, tools. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, again, when I first started, I got all my toolkit together, and I when I went and did my the micromatic uh, course, uh, of course, I came home with all you know the fancy micromatic equipment, and they're actually one of the few companies, the only one that I know of in the draft world, that sells a wire brush specifically made for these vent holes, and it fell apart on me in probably the third or fourth cleaning. So I quickly knew that this wasn't going to work well. So off we went to Staples and got the biggest paper clip possible that comes in a pack of 150. So when you see me going around doing my official duties in my work shirt, there's usually three paper clips because mm -hmm. I tend to lose them over time. Uh, but they're cheap objects, so you don't really mind that. Uh, no, I was just going to continue on with the cleaning. What more is there for cleaning? Holy Lord, jumping, Natalie. The, the thing is with line cleaning is it's not just about the lines. You got to remember that, right? Okay. I, I, like I, I, I know of uh, there, are, there are people that do cleanings and they go in and they put chemical through the line and they flush with water and then they walk out the door again. This happens, you know, everyone uh, in the draft world knows it does, um, but it's not giving you an adequate cleaning so mm -hmm. you got your faucets back together now uh then we were so we've we've soaked the lines for a while then we flushed the lines for a while uh we've checked it with ph i always check ph in and out uh then when it oh, of your chemical in and out i mean then uh, in the cooler itself there's a few things uh that we want to look at one on your monthly cleanings uh, the Brewers Association recommends that you do a hand cleaning on your couplers. So the hand cleaning is um, like you've you've connected kegs before. Yeah. Yeah. So you you uh, like it's it's on a D saw coupler, which is every American brewery in uh, North America uses D couplers. Uh, it's just around where the where the coupler mates to the keg. Uh, just in locking mechanisms and that just take a brush and give it a scrub around uh, over time it, it gunk builds up there if uh, whoever's switching out kegs uh, if you if you kind of engage your coupler before the coupler is on the keg 
then it can um, uh, spray you in the bare. face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the immediate one, but over time, there's also beer that's left around the coupler, and it just gets gunky. So you always want to be keeping ahead of that. Uh, and one thing to note, because we're talking about you know what to do at home, is um, this is that doesn't apply, of course, to bow lock uh, couplers, right? Bow lock and pin locks that that, that home brewers amongst us would know. Okay. Um, that's that's what they use for their their case. So. <laughs> that doesn't really apply to that um, because it's they don't really connect to kegs the same way that a commercial keg would. Uh, I I would just go as far as saying that running your your cleaner through those kegs or through those couplers is doing a pretty suffice job for cleaning those though because uh, there's nothing really on the outside that will get gunky like a commercial keg coupler will. So that's kind of like a little side note on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so inside, and the other thing that you always want to get uh, when you're doing your cleanings is your temperature of inside your kegerator. Uh, you always want over every every period like to know how your, your fridge is doing. So when it comes to serving beer, 38 degrees Fahrenheit, or three degrees Celsius is your optimum serving temperature. Uh, that's all built off of standard as the standard. I call it at, at the risk of of the beer people telling me differently that your standard American beer style uh, has a volume of carbonation of around two point five to a little bit higher, and we won't get into what volumes of carbonation is, but coupled with um, your temperature of your cooler and your volumes of carbonation, then that also gives you what your PSI that you need to use so that you can keep that beer properly carbonated. When it comes to your temperature, 38 degrees. Uh, of course, when you're in the field and you're in your own home and so on, there's variations, you know, whether it's 36 degrees, whether it's 40 degrees, uh, that coupled with whatever PSI you're working with, if it flows good for you, your beer staying carbonated, then it's working, you, you know? Um, so, and then when it comes to your PSI and when you're inspecting your gas supply system, when you're doing your cleaning, um, on a kegerator, generally 12 PSI is, is the standard. Uh, that comes from you're using, uh, most kegerators use 316th uh, beer line. Uh, and 316th beer line for each foot of line, uh, it's three PSI of restriction. So generally, there is four to five feet of bear line uh, on each one of your lines coming out of your tower. So four times three is 12, uh, uh, five times three is 15, 12 to 15 PSI. Go with 12, I wouldn't go any more than 12. Some places work wood on 10. Uh, Again, it's, I could, you know, we could show, we could talk to charts and all that stuff, and it all goes out every, it, they all flow with each other, like warmer temperatures, less or more PSIs, less PSI, colder temperatures. You, you know what I'm, I'm saying? Yeah. In keeping very, your beer carbonated. Um, like you really just have to pour, and if you're pouring, 
if it's okay, pouring fine. good, you're uh, the, the test of time is is what I'll tell you if it's working fine because you can have foamy beer in a system and you get me to come in and look at it and I go and turn down your PSI and you're like, whoa, it's pouring perfect. This is great. Give it a week and you won't be able to drink your beer because it's flat, right? Mm. So, you, you, you know, you, as long as you know your system and it's maintaining the carbonation levels for you, whatever that variation of, as all within reason, of course, you're not going to get outlandish with your PSIs and your temperatures. Uh, but, like, it's just not 12 and 38. You will not, very few systems that I work on are exactly that PSI and that temperature. It's always yeah. something in, in that area, right? Um, Kegerators can use straight CO2, so everyone at home, uh, they go to their Martins or they go to Action or Prexair or Liquid Air and they come home and they use straight CO2. Uh, it's the bigger systems uh, where you would get into using beer gas, uh, which is the mixture of nitrogen and CO2. Mm -hmm. uh, CO2, straight CO2 can be used up to about 18 PSI. Uh, beyond that, you're going to start overcarbonating your beer over time uh, because it CO2 easily injects into the beer. That's why they use it when they're carbonating beer. Uh, your your job as the keg user and the kegerator user is to balance the system so that you keep that level of carbonation uh, rather than uh, uh, either exploding it with more CO2 or flatten it on the other end. Um, the bear gas systems allow you to go to the higher PSIs without negatively affecting that carbonation level. So most most bear gas systems are in the range of 22 to 30 PSI, depending on how the system was balanced when it was built. Uh, and then that'll give you good flowing beer just the same as the 12 PSI will. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, nitrogen doesn't inject itself into the beer until... Uh, high 30s, 30 and 38, somewhere up around there. So that's why they use, they're able to use that mixture of nitrogen and CO2 uh, at the higher levels. And then if you're getting into the nitrogenated beers, you know, like the Guinnesses and, and, and local breweries that make nitrogenated beers, then you will need those higher pressures. But, and you can do that in a kegerator system as well. It doesn't need to be a long dry. Like you could, you could pour Guinness off of a home kegerator. Um, you just need a different regulator to hook to a beer gas bottle because it's a nitrogen regulator. Um, and you need a stout faucet. Uh, to do it uh, to to give you that nice looking pour like the Guinness is, um, yeah. So so that's that's temperature and PSI, uh, and then the other part of it, which I people you know it, it doesn't specifically have to do with cleaning the bear system that the bear is in, uh, is just cleaning the overall unit, like polish your tower. Uh, empty your drip tray. If you have a drip tray bottle, empty the bottle. Keep it all flushed. Beer is gross if it's left. It really is. It's it's disgusting. Oh what a, it's a fermented yes. thing, right? right? So it's gonna ferment yes. when it gets warm. Yeah. Yes. So like like I I know I, I there's a couple of residential people that I clean. 
there's, there's, there are residential people throughout the city that have a bigger bar system than what bars downtown have, you know, and they take a lot of pride in their work when, and they're, 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 they're pieces of art really when you're, when you, when you see what some people have in their houses. Um, but you don't need to have that, you know, in order to keep it clean, maintained and clean. Like you can do that with any system. But yeah, like just overall, take pride. If you, you got to take pride in the cleaning job that you're doing, and it ultimately will give you that good quality pour every time. Uh, three three things give you a good pour of beer: cleanliness, pressure, and temperature. If you have all of those looked after with your monthly cleanings. Uh, your PSI and your temperature are talking to each other uh, and, and, and with what's going on in your beer keg, whether it's home brew or commercial brew, uh, you, you're, you'll have good beer all the time. Um, it's good to have head. You want to have foam on your beer, right? Like the, the proper pour of beer, and, and we can get into another complete discussion on styles of beer. Uh, you know, certain styles, Englishes and so on, are, are slightly flatter, uh, whereas there's certain others that are high, high, a high head type beer. But every beer should have a certain level. Um, and that all goes down to knowing your beer that you have in your kegerators as well. And now there is a little bit more. So quickly, that's your monthly cleanings. Beyond that, every six months, you want to take your couplers apart and do the same thing with them was that you would do with a faucet on a monthly basis. Take the whole coupler apart, uh, check all your seals, uh, scrub it, clean it, rinse it, put it all back together. Um, so you do that on a, every six-month basis. And there is another thing that you don't see a lot in kegerators, uh, but if, if you're not maintaining your monthly cleanings, uh, you can get this thing built up, which is called beer stone, which is not living, uh, is inorganic, uh, but it just comes from the water and everything else that makes the beer and your reaction with cleaner and everything or lack of over time. Uh, and it's like a calcium oxalate that builds on your lines, uh, much like the white particles you see in kettles. Uh, that won't get removed with your regular caustic or basic cleaning, uh, basic chemical, uh, you got to use acid. So it's, it's, it's the same thing. As you, you follow the same procedure as you would with a caustic cleaning, but you do an acidic cleaning uh, and then you rinse your system, of course, and then you do a caustic wash after. You're supposed to do this every quarterly, so every uh, three months. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah. you're doing a regular cleaning and then doing a cleaning bath. Doing an acid wash after. Yep. You, Generally, if it's maintained, this is a debatable topic, if it's maintained to an, an adequate level uh, every month, you won't see a lot of buildup uh, of the of bare stone. This is usually neglected systems, systems that have been shut down improperly over time, which is what we're dealing with here at the current pandemic, uh, that we that they build bare stone if left like that. Uh, and it's 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 a devil to get out after the fact with uh, uh, if it gets a hold in her. And one other thing is these beer lines, uh, on, uh, what they call jumper lines or whatever choker lines, uh, any PVC line, uh, which is what every kegerator I would willing to bet has as a beer line, uh, needs to be changed out on a yearly basis. 
recommended, of course, uh, on a yearly basis. Depending on your stalls of beer and so on, uh, they just get um, the, the yellow. Uh, if they get bad enough, uh, they will create off flavors in your beer. Uh, for the dollar value it is that to change the line out, uh, it should be done on a yearly basis. Okay. Is there anything else? Uh, no. You got anything else? No. I just, I was like ready for like the line cleaning. I, yeah, I really did not know. <laughs> I know. And I started, I started jumping all over the place too with things. Cause uh, it's not every day I'm doing podcasts, of course. And I, I was really excited about it. You need a YouTube it, so. panel. That's <laughs> yes. what you need. So that people yes, can see yeah. you do it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. We, uh, and certainly to all your listeners, by all means, uh, reach out if you have questions. I, I love talking about it. It's, uh, it's what we, it was one of our biggest mandates when we started the company is that, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I, I by no means want to have all of the draft work in the province and I never will. And I don't ever plan on, uh, but I, if I can educate the people of the province even and help them with uh, overall um, getting them better beer from your keg to your glass, uh, that's what we're all about. So whether that's on a homebrew level or on a commercial level, uh, I could talk this stuff all day. Thanks for listening to the Newfoundland Beer Podcast. This podcast is produced in partnership with CHMR 93.5 FM. You can find us on Instagram at NL Beer Podcast.